0: Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the First Energy Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones. From the Cavaliers Radio Production Studios at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in downtown Cleveland, hi again everybody. Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Great to have you with us. As summer keeps rolling along and we keep moving along as far as Cavs HQ is concerned. As always, a great big thank you to the guys on the other side of the window. Marty Allen, Kurt McLaughlin, and of course Leo Simone. And Jim Jones, as always, great to be joined by you. And throughout the summer and throughout the offseason, uh, we've had a, a look back at some of our great guests that have settled into the Legends Chair due to your unbelievable uh, Jim Jones black book and the incredible guests that you've been able to line up. This week we're going to look back and have a, re- a review the conversation, I should say, with World Be Free. And, uh, of course, uh, the late Joe Tate uh, joined in on that as well. But uh, great to have you with us, and this should be a fun conversation.
1: Yeah, it should be, Tim, because World Be Free is a special guy. I first met World, and uh, uh, his first name is Lloyd Bernard Free. And I first met Bernard at Guilford College when I was a second-year player in the ABA out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Of course, Guilford is uh, out of uh, North Carolina also. We practiced in the same gym. And one day we were practicing. I see this 6'2 kid jump 40 inches off the floor from the deep short corner and uh, shoot the ball straight up in the air and almost hit the ceiling and swish. And I'm just watching this kid. He takes it five or six more times, jumps 40 inches in the the air, almost like he could light a cigarette and take a puff. (laughs) And then he releases the ball on the way down and he shoots it straight up. It goes as higher than the backboard and swishes again. And I go over there and I say, who in the hell are you? He said, I'm Lloyd Free. And I play at Guilford. And they went on to be national champs. What is that, Division three or NAIA champs? Right. But uh, that's my first recollection of Lloyd. And the rest is history.
0: <laughs> well, one of the great characters as far as the Cavaliers are concerned, but also a tremendous basketball player. So we'll talk a little bit more about World Free or Lloyd, as Jim called him, and uh, we'll reflect <laughs> on the legendary Joe Tate as well. So stay with us. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back. Cavs HQ presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elcorn, along with Jim Jones, thank you so much for stopping by and giving us a listen on this week's edition of Cavs HQ. Again, it's going to be a look back edition, one of our great conversations with Mint or with one of the many guests that we have had settled into that legends chair. World be free, Jim. I want to go back because uh, you mentioned during our intro, uh, then Lloyd Free at a workout, uh, knocking down those rainbow jumpers. And, uh, you know, Lloyd, who then became world free, uh, was also known as a little bit of a trash talker. Uh, did you see that early on with him as he was uh, going through the workout?
1: No, I didn't, Tim. But what I did see was a guy who was very confident in his ability. He's what we call a traditional New Yorker. I come from New York, therefore I know I'm better than you in whatever I do. I mean, <laughs> that was his mentality. But the thing about Lloyd is that he got the name World because on a basketball court, he could make shots from anywhere around the court, and they call that the World, and that's so that's when he adopted the name off a playground nickname, World. World be free. He has been dynamic, and he does a lot of work now. He still works with Philadelphia 76ers in human relations, and what a great ambassador.
0: Well, you think about the talent, Jim, that that 76er team had when Lloyd, then World, or became World, uh, was with them. I mean, he was there when they had Doug Collins, they had McGinnis, they had the doctor, uh, Daryl Dawkins. Yeah. I mean, that was yeah, they a team Colby's that had... Colby's father. Yeah. yeah. They had Colby's father. Yep, Colby's Joe father, Jellybean, Jellybean Bryant. Yep. Yep. I mean, that was a very, very talented team, and so uh, World kind of had to find his spots. I mean, there was only one basketball.
1: <laughs> well, that was his biggest complaint. I never will forget... One time we were talking after a game in Philly. We went out and hung out, and he said, I said, World, how come you didn't take the last shot? He said, oh, man, this is Doc's team. Doc takes all the last shots. And Doc wasn't half the shooter that World B-Free was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, so he understood protocol. He understood the nature of the game. He just had to wait his turn. And I believe that when he came to Cleveland, he was on they said he was on the downside of his career but he wasn't he gave him 25 every night and uh, he saved this franchise from going under because fans were willing to come out and see the great world be free play
0: and one of the interesting things about world playing here in Cleveland at least I thought so Jim was uh, it's no secret there was a combative relationship between world and George Carl and yet, uh, they were able to kind of put that aside for the betterment of the team once George realized this is a guy that can carry our basketball team. And that's an interesting, an interesting dynamic that sometimes takes shape between a coach and a player, agree?
1: Well, I think George had a, George had a decision to make. Either I'm going to overcoach this guy and lose and lose a job, or I'm going to leave this guy to hell alone and let him do his thing. <laughs> and that is a very real reality check for any coach. There is such thing as overcoaching. There is such thing as trying to modify and change a guy who already has great talent. And I think George was smart enough to realize that he had uh, to put food on the table and that if this team was to lose games, especially the way they were losing at the time, I better leave this guy alone and let him do his thing. World was dynamic. Every night he gave you twenty-five to forty. Uh, he he was the Cavalier franchise. Those bright orange uniforms—I never will forget them. But World was Mr. Cavalier at that time.
0: And Jim, we'll hear from World uh, coming up when we get into the uh, the replay of the conversation that we had with him. But uh, in essence, he saved the Cavalier franchise. Uh, when they were in Richfield. Uh, there were only a couple hundred people showing up at the Coliseum and and World came in and literally saved the franchise.
1: Yes, he did. He filled those seats and he was good at it.
0: <laughs> and of course, uh, not only did World join us, but uh, throughout uh, the off offseason, uh, we were so incredibly blessed to have the legendary Joe Tate join us on several of the Cavs HQ programs. And Uh, Joe certainly filled up that legend's chair, and uh, this is one of the shows where Joe uh, very, very graciously agreed to stop by because he and and World had such a special relationship, and of course, uh, we had a show in tribute to Joe, but uh, it'll be great to hear Joe talking about his relationship with World Be Free and, and that team uh, that evolved down at the Coliseum and they were two and nineteen and would end up coming back to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, well Joe, the one thing about Joe is that uh, he never minimized world. He would come out right in the middle of the conversation, we don't win this game if world doesn't get forty. You know world be free is the difference maker. I mean he gave him all his accolades and they became best friends and the thing I like about world, in spite of his greatness and his celebrity, he would always do Joe's postgame show. Right. He would always do the postgame show, and uh, and Joe had to love that. You got the best player, one of the best players in the league, and after every game, if you can't find somebody, you could always call the best player, and he would, uh, and he would sit there and talk to you. I mean, that was just great stuff.
0: Now, Jim, as I have said many times over the years, I'm not Joe's spokesperson. But I will say, Joe also knew who was going to give him a great quote. And if anybody was going to give Joe a great quote on those post-game shows, it was going to be, world be free, because uh, world will let you know what he was thinking, whether it was about that night's game or any other part of uh, topics of the day. So uh, Joe may have had an ulterior motive there, because world was a great quote. He was a great interview.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're looking for personalities. We're looking for characters. We're looking for people that have a voice, you know, that can say something that's non traditional, you know, to hold our interest. And the world could do that.
0: And by the way, uh, you have often said that uh, you loved going on with Joe during those postgame shows. That's what kind of piqued your interest in the broadcasting side of basketball, that uh, you would always go out and, and join Joe for those postgame shows, and, and you really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I did because I love Joe. You know, Joe was a good guy. Uh, and he always had the right questions. He never tried to embarrass anyone, but he would always ask you something that you'd have to think about before you answered. I mean, it was a very intellectual moment for me, and uh, I sort of like that. you know. And that's what did, did pique my interest as far as broadcasting.
0: Well, there's no doubt about it. So this is going to be a, a very, very special look back. Uh, world be free. And, and, Jim, if memory serves me correct, before we get to the break, World was sitting in a parked car on the side of a highway. He was in the middle of a drive going somewhere. And then we made him sit there a little bit longer because we took an extra segment with him. <laughs> I don't know if you remember yes, that yes, or not. He, yes,
1: he did. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, 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 of course I remember. You know, <laughs> World and I have known each other. He's, he's worked my camps in Cleveland. Uh, I used to fly him in early in the morning on a 6 o'clock flight. He'd get here about 8 or 9. Uh, I'd have the check ready uh, when he was through, (laughs) and I'd take him back out to the airport, and he was back in Brooklyn and Manhattan uh, by 6 o'clock that evening.
0: (laughs) And hitting shots from all over the world. There you Uh, go. uh,
1: Yeah, just a special
0: person. So we hope you fans uh, really enjoy this. Uh, Again, it's a replay of a conversation we had a a short while ago. World be free and Joe Tate, uh, both sitting in the Legends chair, or perhaps a a separate chair for each, but uh, this was a lot of fun, so we'll play it back for you. World and Joe, coming up next on our Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network.
2: This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air.
0: And we welcome you back to Cavs HQ. Tim Elkorn, along with Jim Jones. And once again, my broadcast partner, Jim Jones, has done an unbelievable job in opening up his black book. Now, we're playing... The Prince of Bel Air, of course, Will Smith. Our guest was known as the Prince of Midair. Yes, world be free. One of the all time Cavaliers legends now takes a seat in the Legends chair on Cavs HQ. World be free. I was telling you before we uh, popped you on the air here, this is going to be a big thrill for me because I watched you down at the Coliseum with the Cavaliers uh, when I was attending college at Kent State. So to think now, all these years later, you and I, along with Jim, have a chance to chat. This is a real thrill for me.
3: Well, I'm very happy to be on. And, uh, you know, as, as you, you guys know, uh, Cleveland is a place that's very, very, uh, I, I have a big spot in my heart for it.
1: Well, uh, you know, you and I have been talking all through. You know, I know you work for the 76ers. And before we talk about the 76ers, before we even talk about Gene Shoe, Jelly Bean, And Daryl, Big Daryl, I want to go all the way back to Guilford College when I was playing with the Carolina Cougars in my second (laughs) year in the ABA. And we went over to a gym. That's where we used to practice, over at Guilford. And there was this bodybuilder, 6'2", with a 40-some inch vertical that (laughs) shot his jump shot behind his head. Now, picture this, guys, 40 inches in the air, shot the jumper behind his head, and released it on the way down, and it had an arc of about 60 degrees. It went straight up and straight down, hit the same way every time. I said, who in the heck is that? He said, that's, that's the kid from New York. And then, remember, we talked and we hung out a little bit. But let's go back to Guilford College. How did how did you get to Guilford?
3: Well, uh, well Guilford, uh, I got there from a player uh, that was from Brownsville by the name of Gregory Jackson. Be a high jumping guy. Uh, the other guard with me at Guilford College, oh. and uh, he was uh, like three, years, th- three years older, four years older than I was, and and basically he was a senior, and I was that freshman coming in, and uh, he, we both from Brooklyn, from Brownsville, and he asked me, where he said, look, if you come, if you come down to Guilford College, it might give us a chance to go ahead and win the championship. And uh, you know, he said it'll give me an opportunity for the pros to look at me and get a chance to see me. And he was a guy that I looked up to back then
0: from the projects. And mm-hmm. um
3: that's what that's
0: what brought me down to, to uh uh to Guilford College. Well, Jim mentioned that forty inch vertical and I alluded to earlier, the prince of midair. Everybody talks about your shooting ability, but you had hang time. I mean, it seemed like when you <laughs> jumped up you weren't gonna come down for a while. <laughs>
3: Well, you see, Jim, Jim took off four inches on my vertical.
1: Basically, oh, I'm sorry. Gilford,
3: <laughs> they, they did it. it was a 44-inch vertical league. Me and David oh Thompson goodness. used to battle down in North Carolina and, right. and going over at Shaw. it with that kind of stuff. Over, over at
0: yeah Just playing with those guys. Uh, oh, my goodness. Wow. So out of Guilford, uh, you end up going to Philadelphia. Spent your first Mm -hmm. three years in Philly, which Jim described with some real characters on those 76ers team. Then you get traded (laughs) to San Diego for a first round draft choice, who Philly ended up using to draft some guy named Barkley, by the way. Philly used that pick (laughs) on Charles Barkley. Two years with the Clippers, then you go to Golden State, and then of course, for Cavaliers fans, December of 82, you are traded from Golden State to the Cavs for Ron Brewer, and the Cavaliers' fortune saved. World, there's a lot of people that think you truly were the salvation for this franchise at the time. Uh, did you realize it when you arrived via helicopter that you were going to kind of save this franchise? Well, I, I knew one thing that I was, you know, I still had enough confidence
3: in myself and, and the ability God gave me that I knew that I was going to uh, be able to, to win more games than what, what was um, preceded here before I got here. Um, you know, I know it's just about like 1,000 fans, 1,500 fans in, in the stands. And I remember when a reporter asked me, he said, well, where, you know, you're coming from Golden State. Golden State had a good record. And, uh, uh, you know, you're coming here where, you know, the franchise is in this rate. Uh, I said, well, one thing, you know, I said with the fans, I said, you know, he said, what did he say? They won like 12 games or something a year. Uh, last year, I said, well, at least they're going to win 13 games you know, while, while I was here, <laughs> you know, for this year. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it started off with that, and, and I remember we, me and the reporter just laughed with each other, and I told him,
0: I said, you know, hopefully, you know, we, we, can, we can make it happen and, and, you know, keep basketball over here in Richfield. Now, whose idea was it to come into Richfield on the helicopter? Oh, that was Harry Wellman. To bring you in via helicopter? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I can remember yeah. that like yeah. it was yesterday. Was World be free, arriving on a helicopter. Yeah, that was the idea. And the thing about it, the helicopter, uh, they, they a, a, the pilot was a,
3: a, seemed like he was a comedian. Cause I asked him, it was one of those little toy helicopters to me looked like because I'd never been in a helicopter before. And you could see the bottom of the ground while you while you were way up there in the air. And I'm I'm like, I'm scared of flying anyway. And, and so I told him, I said, well, look, I don't have to sign this contract. If you just put me right down. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was the thing that. And I asked him, I said, how long have you been flying? You know? And he said, yeah, I just just started about like a couple of hours ago. What? <laughs> yeah, we, we're flying over trees, you know, and everything. Gets, Going to Richfield Coliseum from the airport, I was like, scared, you know what? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jim? Well, world, I had been in that uh-huh. arena when they had won those 12 games that year, and it almost brought tears to my eyes. And when they told me you were coming, I knew what was going to happen. Which with your personality and the way the media always loved you, I just said, you know what, this guy's going to resurrect this team. And I, don't, I can't remember on both hands how many times And I'm sure Joe will bring it up. Uh, How many times he said to me, world be free, save this Cleveland franchise. There was talk of moving it, getting it out of Cleveland because it was a football town. You come in there, you're getting sellout crowds when you play against the best teams and you always produce 25, 30, 40 point games. And then they just wanted to come out and see you. You did rejuvenate our franchise.
3: Well, well, thank you. I know you guys. Uh, Jim had the miracle of Richfield, you know, and and, and I know after you know that, that went went by, and they had Ted Stepney and They told me it was the owner, that and mm-hmm. when I first got there, and they said, well, you know, it was it was getting so bad that you know people didn't realize if they were going to have a check that next next two weeks or whatever. That's right, you know, and it, so everything was on people's minds when you know, when I got there, and you know, I just tried to go ahead and put a little light into the situation and and just you know tell everybody you know things are gonna be all right let's, let's, let's play basketball and, and and that's that's basically how i was doing it for the time period that i was there and um you know like i said uh i, I knew i had still some stuff left in the tank so i said you know let's go and see what he was going to bring and um richfield was a heck of a place because you know that was a nice building <laughs> And uh, you had two gyms in there, a practice yeah. gym
0: inside there. I mean, that was, that was a nice place. Yeah. Well, I liked you, it. you made it rock, no doubt about that. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick timeout. Jim alluded to Joe joining us. Yes, the play-by-play guy of the Cavaliers when you were here, World Be Free, the iconic and NBA Hall of Famer Joe Tate. So we're going to have Joe drop in on this conversation to uh, offer some World Be Free memories. So stay with us. Cavs HQ. We're coming back after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. As part of the Cavaliers Dunk for Dollars program presented by Lexus, one youth basketball hoop is donated to the community for every 20 dunks throughout the season. Last month, children at both Providence House and East End Neighborhood House were surprised with their new hoops. Cavs in the Community, brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be back with more Cavs HQ presented by Betway after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. World top of the key, World in the circle, he spins, he shoots, on the rim, in! Ball hit the rim, went up to the air and fell in. World steals it back, throws a 20-footer, good! World with 35, and the Cavs are up again by 8. Dawkins lost the ball, picked it up, blocked by Hinson! Outside the World, World in the backcourt on the dribble, a minute and ten to go. Cavs are on their way to the playoffs, into the four-court Davis, and this crowd knows it. Oh, my. Goosebumps up and down the arm as that is the legendary Joe Tate with the call of the Cavaliers going to the playoffs back in 1985. That was the team that started the year 2-19 and then finished 34-27 after that 2-19 start to advance to the playoffs. Joe Tate joins us on the line to join in with our conversation with World Be Free, and again, we're happy to uh, orchestrate this reunion of sorts with uh, Joe and World, and before we let you two chat a little bit, uh, Joe, what's your fondest recollection? What's a memory that comes back to you when you hear the name World Be Free?
2: Well, I think it's more than just saying one game or one one basket. It's the fact that World was the guy who saved the franchise because when we came out of the dark days of Ted Stepien, there was some concern as to whether or not we were going to make it, period. World showed up and played great basketball. And uh, as you heard there, they got us to the playoffs. I can honestly say that I have had only one serious argument with Wayne Embry over the years, and that was when I told him that I honestly thought that World Be Freeze number should go up in the Raptors because That's right. he accomplished as much, if not more, than some of the guys who are up there. So uh, I'm glad at least they're doing some things, world, to uh, recognize you because those of us who were there when we needed you the most, we remember, and believe me, uh, some of those games were exciting and it was strictly the World be Free show that made it that way.
3: Thank you so much, Joe. You think that's an honor and a pleasure, really. To hear you say what you said just now, you know. Sometimes, you know, people, uh, you know, we we go through life, and and people doesn't realize, you know, how other people think about them. But what you just said right there, you put it all in one barrel and consider them no more, that that that's even better than my jersey being put up in the rafters for what you just said to me right now, and I mean uh,
2: that. I'll tell you this world. Yeah. And thank you. There is no doubt in my. You're welcome. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, you were such an important part of the Cavalier franchise, especially coming out of the period of time that we were in. That uh, and the thing that I remember as much as your baskets and your play on the floor is the fact that you were totally fan favored as far as your involvement with the fans. In fact, I think if uh, you could somehow take the pictures of you dealing with fans during your time with the Cavaliers and take it now to ballplayers coming into the league saying, watch this man do his thing with the fans. That's the way you should treat the people who are paying to see you play because you always, I've seen you get out of, or lay up lines and all to sign an autograph, take a picture and, uh, People just loved it, just absolutely loved it. So, uh, your mark uh, is definitely <laughs> I, on the wall. It, at, uh, and Dr. I I'll tell you one thing, Joe:
3: see, what you didn't see, see I had to pay those fines. But that was all right, you know. <laughs> 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 I, I, I figure it, it was worth the while. You know, we I think having ten people in there, we can make that twenty. That was okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was it was a great time, and I and I and I'll say it again. You know, it, it was great having you doing our announcing because the fact that when when you were doing it, and even when I was like hurt for game, and, uh, and I listened to it on the radio, you know, and you sound like when you when you listen to it, it's like you're right at the game because you're so into the game, and it, it was just it was it was amazing for me, and it's a pleasure for me to know who you are.
2: World, well, one that's, of the,
0: that's great. Oh, that's Definitely. awesome! Again, and and obviously we're biased because we think Joe Tate is one of the greatest NBA play-by-play guys there ever was. So not only were you able to play for the Cavs and have Joe call your games, you also had two of the greatest PA guys scream out your name with uh, Zinkoff in Philadelphia and of course the late great Howie Chiswick here in Cleveland when you would hit a three-ball down at the Coliseum. Howie Chizik would just bring the roof down with his uh, "World Be Free" for three. I mean, it was just electric.
3: <laughs> well, I, I remember I remember Dave Zico, but he hasn't called. He didn't call it as much as I. I had it called over in Cleveland because I, I shot the ball a lot more over there. Because Dach <laughs> wasn't giving me the ball a lot in Philadelphia. <laughs> world, so,
1: world, world, I world. Pick my, I, pick world, my I, moment. <laughs> world world, I would just like to add to this, just to just to, just to give Joe just an endorsement of what Joe said, how close you were with the fans. I was doing basketball camps at the time, and we started advertising around Christmas over to do three campuses at Tri-C College. And I remember that at the time, we had been had our advertising out for guys close to three and a half months. And all of a sudden, I said, you know what? I've got world's number. I wonder if he allow us to fly him in one morning early do the camp and then send him right back to New York because, you know, you wouldn't leave New York. I know that. So, <laughs> so you know, so we could get him back. You're so right. W- we advertised that World Be Free was coming to spend the day with our cameras. World, we went from 50 to 200. You remember those kids, 250, oh, almost yeah. 300 kids listed this, guys before the day ended. That's how popular we were. We've never had a camp. I did camps for 30 years at Tri-C College. I've never had anything close to that response. These fans truly love you. Now those fans are grandfathers. They're grandmothers, but, uh, well, we will <laughs> never forget you.
3: Well, you know, what they, you know what they always say, Jim, and before we, we do go off, and I want to tell you, you you definitely, definitely the gentleman in the college, so, you know, oh, even you. from down in Guilford College. When we thank first met, and then you know, and, and the way the way you you, you you didn't have a big head when you, when I was talking with you, you were like yeah. a regular guy, you know. What yeah. I mean, even though you was a star. So you know, I'm I'm just letting you know, even from my kid and everything else, I, you know, I watch you, you know, and, and and believe me, you know, I have a whole lot of respect for you. So thank oh, cool. so Thank you. It's hey, mutual.
0: Hey, world. We know you're pulled over yes. on the side of the road. You're traveling, but can we indulge you to spend one more segment with you? Would that be all right? Sure, sure, no problem. And, and Joe, it. same for you? Sure, Al Carnell pays for the ticket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: there
0: wanna, you go. I Way to, to talk, go, Joe. <laughs> I want to talk about that 84-85 team, the 2-19 and 19 team, and get some memories of that because that was a special year down at the Coliseum. So thank you so much. So we're going to have World and Joe stay with us for one more segment. So we'll take a very quick timeout. H HQ, we're coming back with more of World Be Free and Joe Tate after this on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Cavs HQ, great to have you with us. And boy, what a fun show we're having. Again, huge thanks to my broadcast partner, Jim Jones. He's got that black book that is just full of NBA legends and sitting in the legends chair... Actually, he's sitting in his car seat right now, but we call it the Legends Chair. World be free. One of the Cavalier legends and certainly another legend as far as the Cavaliers are concerned, Joe Tate. They're both joining us here on Cavs HQ. Boy, what a show. This is a lot of fun. I told you guys before the break, uh, in World's four years here in Cleveland, uh, probably, well, without a doubt, the most special year was the 84-85 campaign. This team started the year at 2-19 and then suddenly just caught fire. They went 34-27 after that, finished up with 36 wins, but it got them to the playoffs where they engaged in a four-game war with the Boston Celtics. Boston wins the series three games to one, but the total points was dead even between the two teams in those four games it was dead oh. even between those Celtics te- or that Celtic team and the Cavalier team so told you guys i wanted to spend a, a just a couple of minutes on that season world when it was a 2 and 19 record george carl in his first year as coach uh, what were you and john bagley and phil hubbard and roy hinson johnny davis mm. what were you guys thinking at that point
3: well we 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 definitely had confidence in ourselves and, you know, in our locker room, in the practice sessions, you know, we knew what we could do. So, but we had to find somebody who was going to go ahead and be the leader for that. You know, so and and the thing is, because we had different people come from different places, and we and we had the young guys coming from college, and we we needed to put it all together. And I believe, you know, that's what happened with with the change. And and they 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 they, they were looking for something, and and I knew I had something in me, you know, with them, but I knew I had it. But and I just try to go ahead and just give them what I when they see me run out there and I'm I'm early for practice and I'm I'm late going
0: out and they say well wow this guy can do it you know we can do it too you know and and I think that's what really started Joe when you look back on that year uh, and people talk about the miracle of Richfield with my partner Jim Jones and AC but. I recall, as I told World during the first segment, uh, I was in college at the time, coming to the Coliseum to watch those games and the playoff games against Boston. The Coliseum was rocking; it was just a great story. <laughs> Joe, take your recollections of it. You
2: know, I'll I'll give you a little story. When the team hit two nineteen, uh, George Carl was looking for a gun to shoot himself. I mean, he was (laughs) in a bad frame of mind. And and Mo McCone, assistant coach Mo McCone, told George two things. He said, make sure World gets the ball and just sit back and let them play. Don't try to out-coach everybody else. Just sit back and let them play. And that's exactly what happened. The team... Gave the ball to World, and everybody had a good time. And the next thing you know, we're headed for the playoffs.
1: Jim? Well, the thing that I've always known about World is that his highly competitive nature. And uh, going back even to Philly, with all of that talent, you probably had the most talent on the bench and starting than any team in the history of the NBA. Except that old Phillies team that that Wilt played on. I'm serious, as far as person personnel. But world I could see then, based upon what I knew of you from Guilford and I knew of you the way you were as a person. You're, that traditional style of coaching you're too young cuz you're a rookie now they play young kids you know and so you got to take mm-hmm. a backseat to this guy i remember those games in philly when you would be hot and you would bring the 76ers back i don't know how many times i saw it on television or when we played you and then they would give the ball to doc and he would miss the shot and <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I know you can't. He made, he made the it. money, right, right, right. Let Doc do it, right? <laughs> you know, you, you know. But when you came to Cleveland, it seemed like you were free. Honestly, you know that that this was your team. You put your stamp on it. You had fellow New Yorkers like Roy Henson, you know, from Jersey, and those people, kids, you do and uh, tough Johnny Davis, the, you know, who could play tremendous defense. It just seemed, and the bag man who could find you. Uh, it just seemed like Ed, everything Ed, Edgar Jones. Yeah, yes, yes, 6'10". Yeah, Six Edgar ten. Jones, think,
0: yeah. Who,
1: who, Joe, Joe, you remember Edgar because I remember you interviewed him quite a few times.
2: Ed, Edgar Jones told me one night on an interview, Sweets, that uh, – he said, yeah, I can block shots. I block them with my face. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: was a, that was another Howie Chiswick classic. Edgar Jones. Oh, right, yeah. That's right, Edgar Jones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so real quick, we only got about a couple of minutes left, but I want to talk about that Boston playoff series because that was a Celtic team that was just outstanding. And you guys went toe to toe with them over four games. As I said, the total points when the four games were done were dead even. World, uh, your recollections of that playoff series with the Celtics?
3: Well, I remember this scene with George Carl. George Carl, you know, he he was like a a coach that was like a scientist. You know, he'll go in the laboratory, he'll mix stuff up, you know, and he'll come out and then give it to you. So he always told us. He told us every move that a person made, every individual on that team, like Larry Bird from Dennis, from Dennis Larry Bird to to Dennis Johnson. You know that they might they will fake one, t- the other guy might fake twice all the time. You know anything that they did, it, George Carr had it mapped out, and that's what helped us really to go ahead and, and get that far. With the way, and, and the problems that we were giving them because we wasn't going for all of their moves and all they hit fakes. We had their plays down, packed. I mean, for the first time, I even studied those plays. So it was like, you know, <laughs>
0: everything fell into play. <laughs> Joe, that was a great series. I remember some of your great calls from that Celtics series in 85.
2: Well, you know, by the time the Cavaliers, that team got to the playoffs and faced the Boston Celtics, I really think that team felt they could beat anybody and uh, they came with the proper mindset. Boston was loaded, and although Boston won the series, they uh, probably had one of the toughest tests dealing with the Cavaliers in that playoffs because Cleveland really came ready to play, and the fans came ready to back them 100%.
0: They sure did. <laughs> well, world, before we let you... Before we let you go, we got a couple of minutes left, and again, I cannot thank you enough mm-hmm. for joining us and taking this extra segment with us. Uh, as you look back, what really stands out for you from your days as a Cavalier? Well, just just bringing bringing everything back with my
3: teammates, you know, just bringing it back, and and I like I told that reporter when I first got off that airport uh, at the airport and got off that plane, I said my my objective. Here, Come and bring fans back into Cleveland, back into this building, yeah. and let them enjoy basketball. Because I know Cleveland was a side basketball town that people know and respect basketball. And I knew that when I was treated there. And that was my objective, to get in there, make something happen, and just, you know, flourish. I, but my big thing is, though, me and Joe Tate, Joe, if they yes, put sir. my jersey up, we need your microphone right by it.
2: Wow. Oh, well, you were a great one, world, and I enjoyed everything. It right you were with us.
0: And I'm not supposed to cry during this show. Don't make me weep over here. That's awesome. <laughs> no, that's
3: great, great stuff.
0: Well, and again.
3: That's all, in, that's all in good, because, you know, they always say, you know, people, like I said in the beginning, you know, people forget, but a lot of people
0: who remember, you know, it's just a good thing. That's big. right. Well, the both of you, World and Joe, uh, you know where you are as far as uh, your status with Cavalier fans, young and old, and what a treat this has been to have the two of you join us on this show. This has just been so much fun, and we really appreciate it from both of you guys.
1: Great stuff, guys. Thank you.
0: I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. much. And I
1: appreciate you guys. You guys take care of yourself. Y'all
3: stay focused and do what you have to do and stay safe out there. Joe, I love you.
2: Love you, too. World, hang in
1: there, buddy. Uh, all right, I oh, will. That's great. Jim, big Jim, I'll talk to you later. Love you. Okay, love you, too, little brother. Oh, good
0: stuff. All right, y'all be good. All righty, you, too, world. World, be free. Oh, and Joe Tate, how awesome was that? Wow, Jim, I'm serious. I got a little emotional sitting here listening to those two. There's such a bond between them.
1: So I've been all over the country listening to announcers. i played for so many different teams. Joe Tate is the best. Yep. There's, there's It's a, not even close. I mean, I know he and Chick Hearn come from the same area, but I'm telling you, Joe Tate is the best. Nobody gives direction and geography of what's happening for the imagination better than the great Joe Tate. Thank you, Joseph.
0: Oh, man, unbelievable. All right. Quick timeout, more to come. Cavs HQ on the First Energy Cavaliers Radio Network. Boy, how much fun was that? How enjoyable was that? World be free. And, of course, the late Joe Tate sharing stories on Cavs HQ as they settled into the legend's chair. And, of course, it was just fantastic to hear those two reminisce. And not only that, but recollect on the unbelievable relationship that they had. Uh, Joe was so close to the player. So that was a fun one to listen back to. No doubt about it. So a huge thank you goes out to Kurt McLaughlin, Marty Allen and Leo Simone for racking that one up. And boy, we hope you fans enjoyed it as well. That was a very, very fun time. So thanks to the three guys on the other side of the window. Of course, Thanks to Jim Jones and that unbelievable black book of his as he continues to open that thing up and keep turning the pages and finding those incredible guests that settle into the legend's chair. And the biggest thanks goes to you, the listeners. We hope you enjoyed it. I sure did. That was a lot of fun to hear that one back. Don't forget, Cavs HQ, presented by Betway, comes your way all summer long as we gear up for the 21-22 season. Yes, training camp will open up on September 28th with the first game in mid-October. So until we talk again next week on Cavs HQ, this is Tim Elcorn saying so long, everybody.